Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome back to The Rework. We've had a much-needed rest, and we're ready to start Season 2 of The Rework in 2023. And today's guest is my friend and favorite guest, Catherine Langsford from Photos by Catherine. And we are talking today about navigating the slow seasons or slow seasons in your business, times when things might seem not so busy those times that put us into a tailspin that make us tell ourselves untrue stories about how we'll never work again and might be living in a van down by the river with our children. You all know what I'm talking about. So jump in, listen to the things that we've learned along the way, the things that we do during the slow season. And I know that you're going to find some good tidbits and I'm just so happy to be back. Let's do it. PBK, it's 2023. ATJ sure is. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm happy to see you. Me too. Face. I love seeing you and talking to you. I know. Okay. So what I want you and I to talk about today is navigating the slow season because you are in Canada. And even while I'm in sunny Arizona, it's still the post-Christmas trough. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about this time of year. I mean, you've got it all figured out, right? You don't worry about booking when it gets slow or you don't have any of those problems, right? Yeah, no, not so much. (laughs) No, I I was just, as we were saying earlier, I mean, so I'm going into my 24th year. Mm -hmm. I'm almost almost at 24 years and it never gets easier. This time of year never gets easier. I, I mean, I have things in place so that I book the first quarter of the year. I know that it will be slow first quarter of the year. I put off certain tasks until then, but still coming in and having the phone ring less and less activity and less client action still brings up those old fears. I still have to work on that. Okay. And so that makes us have stories in our head. Yeah, absolutely. What are, what are your stories? My stories are, okay, it's all over. The session <laughs> has finally caught up. This is a luxury item that people just can't afford anymore. And I'm done. Those are my those are my worst stories. Yeah, you mine know? are mine are that everybody just like looked at the heartbreaking imagery on the wall of their beautiful children and were like woke up and went, "Wait, I why would I ever pay her to do that for me? What have I been in under a spell and I'm never going back?" <laughs> oh, so they all have buyer's remorse. Okay. Right, or something. I don't know. I mean, you know, just like why, you know, why is everybody not beating down my door the first yeah. week of January or second yeah. or February, whatever. Yeah. That all my fears from through the years have just, uh, they were all true and I just got lucky up till now. Yeah. And now it's just done. It's been a fluke. It's, it's a all fluke. over. Yeah. yeah. Bottom 20, is going to fall out. Yeah. 24 years in business. Fluke. 
going to have to sell the house. Oh my gosh, yeah. I just moved in here. How am I going to pack up and move out? I mean, honestly, it just all gets out of control. Yeah. Living in a van by, down by the river. That's right. Together. Well, maybe we could have a van together. That would maybe be great, actually. Just park my van next to your van. I love it. <laughs> maybe okay. worth closing up shop. No, we're not doing that because that wouldn't be no fun. And we love what we do usually, well, yeah. almost always. Yeah. Okay. So at this time of year or any time of year where things, where business seems to be slower, the phone is ringing less than normal, external forces loom larger than maybe they do at other times. And we have a lot of external forces going on in this world right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the slides I had in my talk that I just gave at Imaging was about like doing business in, a, in an uncertain world. And then as I, even just as I made that slide, I'm like, has there ever been a certain world? Yeah. No, yeah, not, not so much. I mean, prior to 2008, 2009, my business was still growing. Like I was still trying to get where I wanted to be. So it wasn't certain times then either, even though the maybe the, the economic sort of financial outlook for the world was a bit better, but, but I wasn't solid as a business. So then when that big crash and recession hit, that was just survival. Like that yeah. was just like... It was a bit of a rock bottom and in some ways, just in terms of needing to start from, okay, how are we going to get people to phone and come on in at a time where no one's doing anything? You got to get scrappy. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think looking back at that time, because I was in business at that same time, we tried a lot of different things. We varied our what we were offering to our clients and doing different things. But the thing that's great about that now is to look back when we're looking ahead at maybe there's a recession looming, maybe it's not, we don't know. Everybody, you know, everybody has a different opinion, but you and I've had the conversation like, Hey, we survived 2008. Like, so we know how to get through that. So, and we were less strong then than we are now. Right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So I want to just challenge our listeners and each other, uh, as we are wont to do in our many conversations to when you feel yourself getting this panicky, like my phone isn't ringing. I don't have as much on the calendar as I would like to have mm-hmm. to just start quantifying some of those thoughts instead of spinning it into a full story of doom and gloom. And the other bad thing is when we get really scared and we tell ourselves stupid stories, we do stupid things. Uh-huh. We have knee-jerk reactions. Right. So what have been some of the stupid things that you've done? Oh, mini sessions, top of the list. Let me just make it really cheap to just get people in there. Let's just lower that barrier for entry so that I can get people in here and then hope to sell to them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or, or so any kind of discounting, like yeah. any sort of, not to mention breaking my own rules, like things yeah. that I'm usually firm on because I want to make sure I'm working with clients that are perfect for me and that my service is perfect for them. All that goes out the window. If they're calling me, I'll do it. <laughs> like I have a mirror. Can you fog yeah. it up? We're doing business here. Yeah. yeah. You want a baby in a basket? Sure. Come to the right place. Never mind that I don't have any baskets. I'm going to, yeah. you got a basket, <laughs> bring, bring it and basket. I'm going to shoot that kid in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cake smash, so yeah, bring, bring it. Breaking my own rules that were made for very good reason. It's true. Uh, and I hear that a lot with our listeners to the podcast. I just spent a week in Nashville with many photographers. Yeah. And there's just something about that fear and that we can have the best intentions. We've gone to a class, we've figured out what our pricing needs to be. We've made new rules, figuring out like what is going to build a sustainable, profitable business. And literally the first sign of pushback or the first sign of slowdown, and we are ready to just check it with both hands. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So it does take a little bit of a intestinal fortitude to look past that and go, okay, no, I actually don't want to do business another way. I'm okay where I'm at. And one of my favorite quotes is from a guy named Steve Chandler. And he said that it's not the how to, it's not how to do whatever it is that we need to do. So if you're a brand new photographer and you're trying to figure out your camera, it's not the how to, because there's a million YouTube videos. It's, do you want to sit and do a bunch of different sessions and screw up a whole 10 and get better? Because it's not the how to, the how to is out there. It's, do you want to do that? And some people don't. And so the same is with business. Do you want to look for ways to get scrappy and figure out how to get business in that doesn't involve cratering your profitability. And we're going to talk about what some of those things might be. Or do you just want to complain and say, well, I don't know how. And Mm -hmm. so he says, having a weak want to inside of us will create an exaggerated fear of the forces outside of us. And those forces are like, oh, there's so much competition. The economy's in the toilet. Maybe we're in a bad location or people say, oh, not in my town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have employee, pro- all the things that we've had, employee problems or a lack of cash to plow into the business. All of those outside forces appear exceptionally strong only when our inside want to is weak. But you know how when you finally catch that real bug of photography, like when you finally are realized, I don't care how many kids I have to shoot. I don't care how many, I am going to figure this out because I love it and this is what I want to do. And my want to has always been, I don't want to get a real job, Yeah. right? And so I have to figure out how to make this business support my family because I've now been ruined and I can't work for anybody else. So that's my want to, you with me? Yeah, I mean, I still think I come from a place, I I mean, even though it's not always so desperate feeling, I'm always coming from a place of survival. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. that's not to say that I'm always feeling like I'm on the verge of starving. Mm -mm. But no, but you know, that's always a possibility. Sorry? You you know, that's always a possibility. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm the only breadwinner in the home. And it, it is all on me and two children and mortgage and so yeah, I I think for me that I mean I do I am driven by creativity in some senses, but in most senses I just I want the business to remain profitable and I want to continue to be able to support my family. Yeah. And I think that is at the core, at least the most entrepreneurs that I know, we all are like, okay, we could be like one bad month away from even though we've saved and we've done lots of really smart things or whatever, we're always just mm-hmm pretty sure that it could go that could disappear anytime. And I think there's smarts in that, right? That I don't want to call it a scarcity mindset, but it does keep you hungry and does keep you moving and trying to continually level up and make things better. Mm. Probably isn't super adaptive as far as like mental health goes. No. And you know what? I think it is a scarcity mindset. It's yeah. like that feeling of I'm going to lose all this. You know, this is all going to be taken away from me. There's not going to be any more in the future. And I got news for you. For the last two years, for the first time in the history of my business, I have savings in my business, a lot of savings. I didn't have that before. I was always yeah. trying to stay in the black, dipping in the red several times a year. Like, you know, I just couldn't figure it out. And now I'm really, really happy that I have savings in my business and I'm still having the same thoughts of, oh no, I'm going to lose everything. Oh no, the phone's never going to ring again. I mean, you know, I don't live in those thoughts, but those thoughts still come. Okay. It's like, I need to adjust my, my course 
in my uh, mental state, especially this time of year, I need to remind myself downtime is good. Downtime is useful. And just sort of look at the track record of it has not fallen apart in the last 23 years. There's nothing about this year that's going to make it happen now. <laughs> I need to just have a little pep talk. Sure. Well, and I think we do play that role for each other. And I think that's helpful for photographers to have friends in the business that aren't in the same market that can call each other. And like, I can say for you all the time, like I can sit outside of your business and look at the brand that you've built and the business that you have and be like, dude, this is not going anywhere. You are amazing. You're great. Your reputation, your brand, like everybody wants a piece of PBK. And I truly believe that this is not like just blowing hot air. It really is that. And you can do the same for me, but sometimes we can't do it for ourselves. Right, right. Because there's so many other sort of limiting beliefs that are tied up in our own, that come from our upbringing, that come from our, it might even come from our parents. My grandparents were in the depression. My mother raised me with depression era scarcity. Yeah. There's not enough food to have seconds. There's not enough, you know, why would you ever get new clothes when this neighbor is handing away perfectly? I'm not throwing my mom under the bus. She was a great mom and did the best she could, but it was ingrained in me that there might not be enough. Mm-hmm. And so I'm generations away from that. There is enough for my family, but I right. still have these recurring, what if there's not enough? What if I can't make enough money? What if, Yeah. like an example is when we're buying a house or we're buying a car, I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but when I'm buying a big ticket item and there's like a monthly payment, I guaranteed have the fear that I won't be able to make that payment. And that's oh, yeah. too much for me. And then I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to give this house back yeah. <laughs> because I'm not going to have enough. It never goes that way. There is always enough. There is always enough money and more than enough money because on top of the house, we also take a vacation that year and do this and do that. But there's something in me that's like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to keep this great thing that I just bought. So learning to switch that to, I deserve everything I have. I mean, I'm not overextending myself. Like that would be a whole different situation, but... Yeah, or and that you're you're grateful. Window into what goes on, and yeah, no, way. or there's or being <laughs> great, being grateful, and knowing for me, see, I have the guilt. I have the mine's not thinking that I'm going to lose it. Although that there's a part there, but mine is like if I get a new car or something new, I'm like there are people that don't have this, and so I don't deserve it. You know, like I should be sending all my money to what I mean. You know, all my money, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and so I, there's a, a huge feeling of like, oh, I don't deserve. I have a huge issues with that. So I think you know, I don't know how we got here, but. <laughs> We're now well, opening that's up our brain. Moving into those messages of, oh no, if the phone isn't ringing, that means it's all over. Like it comes from a history of yes. thinking a certain way. It doesn't just come from being a business owner in a year where finance where money's tight. It comes from a whole a whole bunch of things. That There's a whole lot of stories. Yeah. Okay. So I would say one of the first ways that I kind of started breaking some of these thought processes, again the feelings still come up, the fears still come up, the thoughts still come up. But I think that you and I have both gotten better at dealing with them and not doing stupid knee jerk reactions. And we've channeled it into more positive, proactive behavior. But I think one of the first things I had to realize was that a slower time in your business does not necessarily mean that the business is broken or that you're doing it wrong. And that's where I think sometimes when we make changes that we know we have to make, like pricing would be a big one, 
or changing your rules. Like they can't just get a bunch of little prints. They need to put something on the wall because that's how you really see it. And and that's the kind of service that you want to offer. And you do get some kickback or maybe your phone rings a little bit less, whatever that is. Well, first of all, nobody knew that you changed that rule. I mean, unless you're, you have a plane flying over your town saying PBK is no longer selling eight by tens unless you buy wall art. It's not happening. So people don't even know. It's just that there are times in the year that are slower than others. So you're saying you would be okay with doing that if you, if you needed to during a slow time. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying like sometimes we we make it... Like I've had students that have said, okay, I changed my prices and now my phone's not ringing. I'm like, well, nobody... Oh, knew the, that you oh I see. Yeah. The no, phone nobody knows ringing. that you changed yeah. your prices. Like you're not Walmart. You, know? right. like, you don't have that kind of an ad budget. Like nobody knows that you changed mm-hmm. anything. Now you might have converted a few less phone calls. So let's just say that maybe you had some phone calls and you just converted less of them. Then that's interesting. That's a piece of data that you do want to look at. And if maybe everybody's saying, okay, this is too expensive. Maybe you need new ways to talk about it, which is mm-hmm. usually always the case. It's like you need a new way to talk about it because you've been selling on price maybe for a really long time. You know, So maybe how do we sell on value versus price? Also, when we're thinking about that our business is quote unquote slow, what are we comparing that to? Are we comparing it to mm-hmm. the competition? So how would it, would we know? Like maybe mm-hmm. your photographer in your town is posting all these portraits that she's doing and you're like, oh my gosh, she's so busy. Well, she might be super busy. She might be priced differently than you. She might have a different business model than she you. She might be doing free artist sessions that she's just having friends sure. and neighbors come in sure. to create content. Or she might be busier than you. I, I Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, but I find that that's unhelpful because you don't really know what's going on with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I find if you're going to compare yourself to anybody else, the best person to compare yourself to is yourself this time last year. Yep. So or better d- yet, the last three years. Yes. Okay. So to say more about that. Uh, well, just because there could have been something weird about last year. It could have been like I have in my um, client management software, Tave, I have on my dashboard... One of the things I can see is monthly sales for the last however many years I want. Like I Mm -hmm. usually look at three Mm -hmm. and it just shows a graph where you can see where you've been each year. And it's usually quite similar. Like the peaks are around certain times a year. The dips are around certain times a year, which is comforting. Mm -hmm. But then you can also see, okay, I feel really slow, but you know what? I'm the same as last year. Right. And part of it is the sales. Like I am slower. But, you know, my three sales might equal the nine sales I had two years ago. Exactly. So I'm, I am slower. It is quieter, but I'm making the same amount. Yeah. And just looking at that data helps me. I, I do that kind of thing when I'm really wondering, like, is this weird? Is this like extra slow? And usually yeah. the answer is no. But I think there are a lot of us out there and I can think of one student in particular, and she wouldn't care if I called her out, Allison Gallagher, who is a workhorse and just always been like work, 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 work all the time, kill yourself, work all the time. And so when she's not work, 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 she feels yeah. like, yeah. You know, and you and I've had that conversation because you totally. and I tend to be very similar to that. So we get into this uncomfortable place of like, it almost becomes not about the money. It's just that I'm not running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Mm-hmm. See, okay, so for me to transition out of that, because that was totally me also, totally. Mm -hmm. And I was forced out of it because I burned out and became unwell. Like it just was not, it wasn't sustainable. 
and I sustained it for like 21 years, but <laughs> after that, it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. After that 21 um, year fluke, yeah. it became but less just, yeah, sustainable. Just that men- mental sort of that mentality of like, if I am not completely fully double booked and hugely scheduled every day and the phone is ringing off the hook and I always have a stack of things left to do when I leave the office and a big inbox full of emails, then that means I'm a failure. Yeah. Just getting out of that. And what helped me to get out of that was, well, a few things, but looking at how much money I made when I was that, you know, behaving that way versus having transitioned my business to bigger, fewer jobs mm-hmm. and seeing that the money's the same and I'm more sane. It right. was not an easy, like I, I needed to do a lot of comparisons like that comparisons with myself to look at, okay, this is what it was like then. This is what it's like now. These are the reasons it's better now, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy transition to just embrace not being busy like that. Well, and I think that's where the data comes in is that you have to have something outside of the inside of your skull to check yourself against because you can just spin endlessly and then you're making really stupid decisions when things might be going way better than you realize, but you're just not running around crazy. So it's that I, that idea of how do I become less busy, that less but better idea, that essentialist Greg McEwen yeah. That we love so much. Yeah. yeah. That wisdom. And that sort of needs to be demonstrated. Like, I think, you know, once I saw a few examples of, okay, when I'm less busy, I can be more creative. When mm. I'm less busy, I can give my clients a better experience because I'm thinking about them more. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm less busy, less things fall through the cracks because yeah. I'm, I'm not just like constantly cramming everything in my head. I've got some more open space. When I'm less busy, I'm better for my family. You know, sure, I was working really hard and doing what I thought I should do to support a family, but I was so tired and mm-hmm. distracted. And now I'm more present and and much better for my family and my in my home life. Yeah, for sure. But there is a sort of, I'm going to say the wrong word, but like kind of a self-righteousness about being super busy. Like there is a sort of like more glorification of being busy. Yes. Yeah. Like I can remember sitting at my desk at 7 or 8 PM and my bookkeeper would come in and she's like, you look horrible. Like you look so tired. And I would just burst into tears because I'm like, I have all this stuff here. I haven't even built these clients. Like, I don't know what I'm, you know, I just had no help. But at the same time, when anybody would say, oh, are you so busy? I'd be like, oh yeah, we're so busy. You know, so I would would feel like a pride in that. Absolutely. And I think that comes from messages we tell ourselves too. You know, if you're not, if you're not crazy busy, then that means your business isn't successful and you're basically on the way to failure. Yeah. Like we're clearly not French. And you are clearly not, you're like an abnormal Canadian. In this that, is a very American situation. Oh, right. Okay. I think a, a very US, the glorification of busy. Okay. So we won't go down that road. So what are some other things navigating the slow season? Let's say that you've looked at your numbers and you realize like you're about the same as last year. This is just going to be a slower time. Maybe you're in the frozen tundra of Calgary, Canada or Michigan or someplace where you just don't, aren't going to do a lot of stuff in the, in the snow and you are a location photographer or whatever. So what are some things that you have done in slower times that you have found helpful? Yeah, I've done a few things. I might uh, spend some time doing things that get lost when I'm busy, like blocking my calendar ahead for the rest of the year. Maybe looking at my website, seeing if it needs to be cleaned up, if it needs to be updated, 
I just met with someone I do some marketing with yesterday and she gave me a few little tricks to improve my SEO performance. You know, when I'm busy, I would have had that talk and I would have forgotten about all those things and they would have like stayed written on a list that I'd never look at. But tomorrow I have time, so I'm going to do all those things. Just cleaning up stuff that becomes messy when you're busy, for lack of a better word, like just sort of putting things back where they belong in terms of like our our hard drives. So mm-hmm. we're we're spending, we've actually been spending days cleaning up our hard drives. I won't go into the details of it, but just making sure everything's cataloged perfectly and we're not saving things in duplicate or triplicate and that, you know, everything is all set up for the coming year in the in the current drive. That's something that is really valuable because then it allows you to work more efficiently as you have this like really clean, neat system. But when we get busy, we just get sloppy and save multiples of files or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, those kind of things. You know, I might have time to go drop in on my framer or my printer, which I don't do in the busy season and just make that personal connection, bring them like a box of donuts or something and just like, hey, how are you guys doing? Spend half hour there, yeah. put in some FaceTime. I attend my installations in person when I'm not busy. So that's really nice. I mean, that there's a lot of value in that. I should probably be doing that all the time. But when I'm busy, I, I don't always. Yeah get on things like latergram like set up latergram for the for the instagram like I, that's something i never really had time to to drill down and figure out and i'd really like to do that even figuring out like how to properly use reels i'm just starting to do that and i'm just like winging it but i'm sure i can dial that in more it's looking good watch a couple videos it's looking good what's your instagram handle again just pbk so underscore studio pbk underscore studio. Yeah. I love the stuff that you've been posting lately. Thank I think you. it looks so good. Thanks. So yeah, It's not uh, art, but I'm sure I can get better at it. Yeah, And well, then also picking up orders that fell through the cracks, like, mm-hmm. you know, like going through second proposals, mm-hmm. you know, like people who through the years, like, yeah, maybe they wanted this big bunch of stuff. And in the sales room, they were getting hung up on these three little pieces that, and you're just like, let's scrap those three for now and put them on a second proposal for later. Let's go with the stuff that's a lock. And you can close your sale with that. And then you've got this floating proposal that never got followed up on. Go back through and see see who those people are and see if they want to pick up on. But I don't do a lot of drumming up business during this time because the reason it's slow is there's a reason. Like People are not really in action spending mode this time of year is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. They're burnt out from Christmas. So yeah. I don't do a ton of that, like chasing after new work. I do more like housekeeping and getting things, you know, there may be things in the studio that I want to dial in more client experience things like, you know, the prizes I give to kids or the bathroom. We just like did a whole bunch of upgrades in the bathroom to make it more of a change room and make it really high end and researched some really high end bathroom products like the hand wash and the lotion and stuff and just made sure we had all that all dialed. So things like that. Yeah. Well, and it is things that you can lose sight of over when you're busy. And I know for for me, what I've found really helpful at the beginning of of every year is to almost come in and video, walk in my front door of my studio and video as I'm walking through and then watch the video. And because there's somehow you can see all the crap that's sitting on the table that yeah. has become invisible to you because you just see it all day, every day. And yeah, you see that. the, you know, where the mop, where the cleaner's mop has made the dirty corners or, you know, something that needs to be repainted or, you know, like the wall that I always back up against when I'm shooting is, you know, my jeans have been rubbing it. So there's like a yeah. weird blue spot that needs to be 
painted over where my rear end was or whatever. You know, there's always these little things. And so to come at it with a fresh, aren't there so many businesses that you wish would do that? Like when you go into their restaurant. Don't get me started on how I wish other businesses would treat (laughs) their clients, namely me. Yeah, totally. The the good thing about it is it reaffirms, you know, that we're doing it right. Yes. But I, I can't even, don't even, honestly, don't even get me started. I know. Ivan and I had lunch today at this Thai restaurant and I'm like, I'm sitting there looking around and I'm like, can I please come in here and redecorate this place for you? Like it wouldn't cost you anything. Just tear down those curtains that have nine inches of dust on them and repaint that wall, you know, yeah. get rid of the weird mirrors that look like they were in Vegas or whatever. You know, I mean, there's just clean yeah. it up and you don't see it. You just, you start, you know, and the, the cooks back there, like on his phone, loud talking on the other side of the wall. And I mean, there's just things that are like, but you know, we, we, we have infractions have that we do. Yeah. That yes. need, need to be fixed. Yep. Yeah. Do you sometimes feel like it's difficult to get on the same page with your client? You email them a price list, you email them a contract, you send them information and it seems like nobody's reading anything anymore. Well, I found that even doing an in-person consultation with my clients, that there are sometimes things still falling through the cracks. So I've developed what I call my consultation game plan booklet. It allows me to get on the same page with my clients so that nothing is left to chance. After 13 years of revising our internal ATJ consultation form, which by the way, is available for free at dotherework.com. I realized that I needed something more for my consultations. I wanted my clients to leave the consultation with more than just a pretty brochure, more than just a price list that had no context. What I needed was a single printed piece that would leave nothing to chance and achieve the following goals. I wanted to educate my clients about the price ranges of my products. I wanted to help my clients understand what I would and wouldn't be shooting for them during their portrait session and also ensure that they felt confident about selecting clothing for their session. So this consultation game plan booklet is kind of like part brochure, part getting ready guide, part running at the door last minute checklist, and part consultation form that the client gets to take home with them. And most importantly, share with their family, in-laws, and their spouse or partner. It's all in one, a single booklet that the client takes with them at the end of their consultation. So... I've been using this booklet in my business for the last five years, and we've revised it many times. And this is the first time that we are offering it to our rework community to use in their own portrait studios. And so this booklet is available online in layered PSD files so that you can lay your own images, logo, everything branded into this booklet to use in your studio. It also gives you access to our online mini course, which includes a video lesson with me on how I use the game plan booklet in my consultations and an actual video recording of me with an actual client in an actual client consultation using the game plan booklet and how it's used during that time. So go to do the rework.com forward slash game plan and get this mini course and this consultation game plan booklet to use in your studio. It will change your consultations forever. Okay, so clean up, making plans. I think that one thing that you said that I want to call out is the idea of really looking ahead at the year, looking Mm -hmm. at like how many sessions you did last year. How did that feel? 
Do you want to do the same amount of sessions this coming year? Do you want to do less sessions? Were you happy with what your average sale was? Do you want it to be more? And then if you want your average sale to be more, do you want to do the same amount of sessions? Do you want to do less? Is there something big coming up this year, like a big vacation that you're going to take? Or maybe you're you know, like we're getting, we just moved the studio, we're getting ready to move our house, like probably in the next couple of months. So there's going to be some big gaps of time. They're going to take me off the grid to go make those big projects happen. Yeah. How am I working that around? And, and that's kind of shifting, you know, many of us have worked for other people and now we own our own businesses, but some of us still have that vestiges of that employee mindset, which is like, I just need a paycheck every single week or month or whatever. And when you own your own business, that's not usually the case. It's usually you'll have a busier time and then there's a slower time. And if you're a huge corporation, you know that. And so you manage your cash flow accordingly. But when you're like a creative or a solopreneur, we tend to, oh, great, there's tons of money coming in. And I'm sure it will be like this forever, even though I've been in business for you, 24, me, 17 years. Mm -hmm. And I just had the most amazing Christmas for my kids. And now I'm broke. Yeah, which we've all done that too. Or you kind of forgot that you actually needed to plan for taxes and you spent all the money on new gear and then you have no money for taxes or whatever. So there's just certain things that you've got to like plan for and how much better to say, I know one thing you've always done that you really liked is you knew you were going to be dead by the end of the holiday season. So you would plan like a trip to Hawaii and would go for a week. Mm -hmm. Three weeks. Oh, three weeks. Even better. Yeah. So, you know, you have to plan for that and you have to know that your mortgage is still going to get paid during that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Planning out ahead is not something I I did in the past. I would just kind of deal with what was in front of me. So, so now just looking at, I mean, first of all, I like to block my time in a certain way, like shoot on this week, production on this week, viewing orders on that week. So setting that up. And mm-hmm. then again, not losing track of like, I've got shoots coming up in February and, you know, there's a couple of them that I don't have their walls yet. And that won't sneak up on me. You know, I won't lose track of that because I'm, you know, I've got, I have my Google calendar and then I put tasks down the side right. and I have like different categories of tasks that I look at every day with my calendar. And one of them is walls and then all the clients who haven't sent me walls and then view and orders, all the clients who I haven't booked view and orders with. So I'm looking at that every day and not letting it sneak up on me because that's going to eat into my bottom line if I don't like really sort of handle that in in the optimum way, according to, you know, the way that I, the, the process that I like to, like my, uh, the process of your business. The way I work. Yes, I know. Hello. Are there words? No, but it makes me think about restaurants. Just going back to that for a second. I find that there's a perfect amount of busy when you go to a restaurant, like you kind of want them to be like hopping, not yeah. to where there's an hour long line at the door and you, right. in. but like it's going and they're in their groove and the food is coming out and it's hot and it's great. And there's just an optimum level of clients or customers coming in and out of that. And so you find that, wow, even though this is busy, like, man, my food came out and it was hot and it was great and everything was good. And then you go in another time and maybe it's like two in the afternoon or it's slow or whatever. And it takes forever to get your food. They forgot half yeah. your stuff. Yeah. It's like, they're just not on their game, right? Nope, that's it. And that's so, exactly so we can do that too. Like in our off time, sometimes we're, I know for me, I've had years where January would come and go. And like by February, I'd be like, maybe I should probably head back to the studio. You know? yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I just, I can't face it because I killed myself during October, yeah. November, December. So I think there is something in that managing your capacity and one of the things I'd love for you to talk about is how 
you kind of looked at your calendar and said, look, I don't want to work Mondays and Fridays anymore. I'm going to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and how something would come up and you would feel like you needed to schedule it right away because a client would ask for it. And then how you mentally push that off. So talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, that was kind of along the lines of what we were talking about earlier, like the, like feeling like if I wasn't busy, I was a failure. And just that built-in thought of like, if a client needs something, I need to give it to them as soon as possible. Yeah. But I had committed to a three-day week and I needed it for my family and for my mental health. And I just really wanted to make it work. And so I sort of spent time training myself that no matter who calls or what they want, they will be scheduled on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Mm -hmm. And not only a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, but one that makes sense with regard to what they're asking for. So for example, if they want a photo session, I'm putting them on the day that I have slotted for photo sessions. Yes. Even if that's two and a half weeks away and I have time now, or even if it's three months away and I have time, you know, whatever. Like I, what I'm saying is I had sort of set up my schedule in a way that was optimum for me. And then I've trained myself into like actually following through with that when people call because yes, definitely the temptation was to just say, oh, you want that? Okay. I can book you in on Thursday or whatever. And, and that was going to, you know, make my plan crumble. So I had to, I had to really push that through, but the benefits have been incredible. Like me blocking my time in terms of doing certain types of work on certain weeks and uh, taking every Monday and Friday off blocking that has just, I feel more in control of my life. Like I'm not at the mercy of who calls and what they want. I've designed my, you know, how I'm going to spend my time. And it, it really fits with, with my life. It feels really good. Well, and I've also seen from outside looking in, watching you do this. And then I know if I'm a big fan of the calendar blocking as well as I find that you and I are both, when we do roll in to shoot something or we go in, we're prepared and creatively we're refreshed. We're excited to be there. It's yeah. not like, okay, I've got to shoot this. And then I got to go get my other cute outfit on to sell, you know, oh, or, absolutely. you know, like whatever, like we're not being just jerked around again. We're not being jerked around by clients. We did it. Yeah. We scheduled yeah. it, yeah. but you kind of think, oh, it's got to be this. Well, people are just asking what they need. Now, if, if one of my best clients called and said, look, my kid is flying in. They're only going to be here on this day. Mm-hmm. Of course we can make that happen. Yeah, same. But I think yeah, but those are those are very rare Very rare. Yeah. They're yeah. like no I have a client who's a doctor and she only has Mondays off. So yeah. I switched a week for her session and I'll switch a week for her view and order. But that's very rare. And it's only if it's worth it. Like if there's times where there's someone who can only do certain days, but honestly, like they only need like a 10 minute conversation or whatever. You know what I'll do? I'll just stay late on a Thursday and say, why don't I zoom with you at 7 p.m.? Yes. Like if I need to make my three days longer days in order to stick to those three days, that's worth it to me Yeah, because then I still get those solid four days off in a row. Yeah. Well, and I mean, look at nurses usually work three twelves. There are a lot of things that this, uh, this idea, this nine to five or whatever, I I think sometimes we can just get in a, this industrial mindset that is, it's no longer serving us or, or our clients for that matter. Another thing that I was thinking of too, is how we can get into this overcommitted thing. I know we're renovating a house right now and I'm not going to say what I want to do, but I want to hurt every subcontractor that's working at my house. And I'm like, why are you guys taking on more business that you could possibly do? You're basically cratering your reputation. Everybody hates your guts. 
but they're like, you talk to these guys and they're like, well, you know, it's like, you got to strike while the iron's hot. You got to make hay while the sun's shining, you know, like figure out your metaphor here. But I'm like, no, but I hate you and I will never use you again. And I will talk bad about you to everybody that I know, because you have promised me that you will be here again and again and again. And then you disappoint me again and again and again, because you've promised 20 other people and you're one guy. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that that has been very instructive for me to realize yeah. there's one guy, one literally of all the trades on this house, one guy. And he's the guy that built my block wall around my house. And I talked to him and he said, I would love to tell you that I could start this week, but I can't. Yeah, I am going to start on the 10th, you know, whatever the date was. Yeah. I think it will take this many days, but I will let you know. So the 10th was coming on the 8th. He said, the block has not arrived for the wall. It's going to be the 11th. I'm so sorry, but he let me know. Yes. That never happens. No, never. the whole notion of under promise over deliver yeah. is woven into the fabric of PBK's mission. Like everything we do is under promised and over delivered. We used to have like a production timeline of, of six weeks and then it became eight weeks and now it's 12 weeks. Yeah. Very often we're ready at eight weeks, but Mm -hmm. I tell every client it's going to be 12 Yep, every time. And the same thing with, I drill into my staff's head. If anything looks like it even might be late, you reach out and give a progress email to the client. Sure. We're hoping, you know, we're hoping it'll be on time. We're tracking it. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll keep you posted. Like just keep them informed. I don't ever, ever, ever want anyone emailing me, texting me or calling me saying, where's my stuff? No. That is like absolutely unacceptable. There's been a huge error happening and they shouldn't be very clear that we've got it. Yeah. But yeah, with with other, I won't even go into you with with these these empty windows here that were supposed to have blinds in August. (laughs) I mean, that guy over promised like his life depended on it. Like he, like he told me those blinds were going to be up in two weeks. Yeah. Oh, well, everything's two weeks, right? That's, yeah, that's everything. But it's everything. just, they just don't understand. Like, sure, maybe it'll buy you some customer satisfaction in the second that you're promising. Right. But every moment forward is just going to be them hating you more and more and swearing off ever using your service again. It's true. Yeah, for it's sure. True. No, that that is so, so valuable. That's customer service 101. I mean, just always take the date you think they're going to have it and add at least two weeks. Yeah. And you know what? I don't get one single... Like now that I'm saying 12 weeks, I used to think six weeks was a long time. I know. Now I tell people it'll be 12. I don't ever get anyone giving me a problem about that. No one ever. Because everything takes forever. Well, I know. And especially now with just all the things that have happened in the aftertimes, you know, after the pandemic, it's just been crazy. And there's some things that are getting better, but I think that we've learned for us how we managed expectations was because 2021 was such a poop show. And we had so many orders and so many holiday card orders and things that it was just like, I I just felt like we were in a pinball machine, you know, just like hit, hit, hit. Like I was the ball getting hit by all the things like, you know, yeah. oh, they just, our, all of our staff just got, had to go home because of COVID or whatever, like, or it would come in and it was wrong or it was damaged or whatever. And we had so many orders. I thought I can never schedule people this close to the holiday ever again. Yeah, like, We have to be way ahead. And so we got out and scheduled everybody like August. September, I, I had Caitlin calling people and she's like, look, if you're not shot by like October 15th, we can't guarantee that we're going to have what you need, you know, but here's the great thing. This is the, one of the great things about the pandemic is that the whole world experienced it. 
And so everybody got on board with that. So it wasn't just one area like in Alabama, it was hard. And so only the Alabamans understand, like everyone in the world knows there's labor problems, there's shortages, like we Nothing have happens to... fast. I also know there's plenty of businesses that are using that as an excuse. All of my subcontractors, for one, all of those guys. But don't overpromise. No, bad idea. Very we're bad tempted, idea. We're tempted to, we're not knowing we're overpromising. We're tempted to just say, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, of course. I can I can mm-hmm. do something great that'll be great for you, but it'll just backfire. And the thing is, the biggest danger when you're in biggest danger of that is when you're a solopreneur. Because mm-hmm. now I have people that are listening to me talk to clients. And the, the second the client walks out the door and I promise something, they'll have the big eyes and they'll walk in and they'll be like, did you just realize that you promised that she could have a proof of her holiday card in 48 hours? And there's like 17 other ahead of her. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Like, so even sometimes I, I'll still think, well, how long does that take? Yeah, but I'm not the one doing it. So like shut your mouth and say, let me check and find out when we can have that for you. Yeah. And the client is fine with that too. That's the thing. Right. Yes. They're fine with us being realistic in the timeline. It's just I would fall over dead if a subcontractor said to me, let me check and find out the timeline and get back to you. I would fall over dead. Okay. So data is our friend. Collect it, compare it, use it to calendar. I think that's a good way to to look ahead. Yep. And everybody just take a reality check and know that there are slower times. It doesn't mean that the jig is up and that you're never going to work again. It just means that it's a slower time. And so if you're getting... Use it to of, your advantage. Use it to your advantage to plan, to rest. Sometimes you just need to rest. Yep. And just chill and and know going forward, you know, I think that's where this is another whole podcast episode, but that's where like the Profit First, Mike McAllis's book, Profit First, has been instrumental in helping us with our businesses, saving that money and and being more circumspect with your expenses so that you can have a cushion in slower time so that you're not having to make crazy decisions that mm-hmm. are going to crater your business. Agree. But that's another podcast. Any other pearls from PBK? About the slow time. I, I want to echo what you said about rest if you need to rest. Like there's been a, like next week, for example, just the way my schedule is working, I may only be able to come in for two days. And my first thought is just like kind of panic. Oh no, like I have to work more than that. But I don't really, I don't have stuff I have to do. I'm not, you know, the bottom line is not going to suffer from me taking another day. I would never be able to do that in a busier season. So I'm just going to take an extra day and not feel like a failure because of it. In the past, you know, sure, sometimes I didn't have a ton to do and I wasn't working as many days as I wanted to, but I felt horrible about it. Yeah. I did not enjoy those days. Yeah. And I think that's the saddest thing is that I think we'll look back at the end of our life probably and think... I should have enjoyed, you know, we hear it a million times, be present, you know, enjoy the journey and all that stuff, which I hate all that because I like destinations and not so so much journeys, but I do see the value in it and realizing that if you're just worrying all the time or feeling bad about that, it's slower rather than just, okay, what can I do during this time to make things better? So for, you know, this is a business podcast. So obviously we want to figure out how to make things better in our business, but some of the ways of making things better in your business is to make you mentally better so that you can be more present and creative and amazing for your clients. And sometimes that means that you just need to rest because we've just been through the holiday season. We just moved our studio. I didn't really have a break during the holiday. You just moved your studio earlier in September-ish. 
And then we had a big, huge marketing thing. And then, you know, I just got back from imaging and I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. I need a nap. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So take a a nap first and then wake up and look at your schedule and plan ahead and really look at your data to give yourself a reality check to see, is it really suffering? And what's a way that you can plan going forward? Yeah, I agree. Okay. I appreciate you so much more than you know. You too, sister. You can find more great resources from Allison at dotherework.com and on Instagram at do.the.rework.